Section 14 of National Geographic Magazine, Volume 2, Numbers 1 and 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Critical Review of Bering's First Expedition, 1729-30, to together with a translation of his original report upon it, by William H. Dow, Part 4. Synopsis of the Voyage The dates are reduced to the Julian calendar from the nautical account. The longitude is stated in degrees east from Greenwich. June the 10th, or 21st, 1728. The vessel which was named the Gabriel was launched at the lower Kamchatka fort and loaded with a year's supply of provisions for forty men. She resembled the packet boats used in the Baltic. Notes this vessel was constructed of the Kamchatkan spruce, a species, according to Kitlitz, closely resembling Abies canadensis of America. There is also a smaller species, Abies mertensiana, and by distillation of these two trees, the deficiency in their supply of tar or peach was made up. The rigging, sailcloth, oakum, and anchors had been transferred with great labor from Tobolsk. The planking and timbers were doubtless fastened with trenails and not with spikes, so the amount of iron used was much smaller than it would be in most modern vessels. The provisioning of the expedition is the subject of a fanciful paragraph garbled from Bering's original report, which has been quoted by every one of the historians of the voyage from Danville to Lauridsen. I transcribe it from Brooke's translation of 1736, pages 437 to 8. Quote, the provisions consisted of carrots for want of corn, grain, or wheat. The fat of fish, uncured, served instead of butter, and salt fish supplied the place of all other meats. End quote. Campbell in Harris's Voyages, page 1020, still further enlarges this statement, and Lauridsen puts it, quote, Fish oil was his butter, and dried fish his beef and pork salt he was obliged to get from the sea end quote. and quote, he distilled spirits from sweet straw end quote. this gives a totally false idea of the supplies provided for the expedition bering received from yakutsk over forty-two tons of flour and large numbers fifty at a time of the small siberian cattle were driven on the hoof to okhotsk where their flesh was partly dried and partly salted on his return, he delivered surplus supplies to the proper officers in Kamchatka and at Okhotsk over 30,000 pounds of meal, flour, and salt meat. There were at that time no carrots to be had in Kamchatka, as Bering himself testifies. Salted salmon, then as now, formed a staple article of diet in Kamchatka and was without doubt included in his stores. The delicate fat obtained by boiling the bellies of the salmon is annually prepared in Kamchatka and is regarded to this day as a great delicacy. A store of it might without any hardship be furnished to the commander for use as butter. Salt he obtained as it is usually obtained by evaporating sea water, and the absence of strong drink of European origin was supplied by a distillation of the stalks of the bear's food or sweet herb of the Cossacks long used for that purpose by the Russians in Siberia, and from which, even in modern times, according to Zeeman, 
the Kamchadals secured additions to their scanty supply of syrup or sugar. The supplies, then, of the expedition were not inferior to those in common use at sea at that period, and, as far as health is concerned, were certainly less likely to result in an invasion of scurvy than the use of salt beef and pork alone would have been. It must be remembered that the fare on naval vessels all over the world in those days was rude and coarse to a degree now long unknown, and that it was not until the voyages of Cook, nearly half a century later, that the antiscorbutic and varied regimen, now usually enforced by law in maritime nations, was even thought of. The force crowded together on the little Gabriel is enumerated by Lauridsen, presumably from the account of Berg. It consisted, beside the commander, of Lieutenants Martin Spanberg and Alexia Chirikov, Second Lieutenant Peter Chaplin, Dr. Niemann, a quartermaster, eight sailors, a worker in leather, a rope-maker, five carpenters, a boatswain, two Cossacks with a drummer and nine marines, six servants, stewards, and so on, and two Karyak interpreters, a cabin-boy and a pilot, in all forty-four persons. It is not clear from the Lauridsen account whether in the above list are or are not included the two mates, Richard Engel and George Morrison, or the cartographer Potilov, who started with Bering from St. Petersburg. Luzhin was left behind, being ill. July the 13th or 24th. The variation of the compass was determined to be 13 degrees 10 minutes easterly. In the afternoon, being the 14th nautical reckoning, the vessel left the Kamchatka River. They steered to the northeast along the coast, which was kept in sight to the north and west, in from nine to twelve fathoms water. As the point of departure, Cape Kamchatka was determined to be in north latitude, 56 degrees, three minutes. Notes. The variation of the compass in 1885 was two degrees, 30 minutes easterly. As will be seen by the table of positions, the latitude above given for the Cape is not the same as that adopted by Bering on his chart. The depth mentioned shows that the Gabriel must have kept within a few miles, probably not exceeding ten, from the shore, and the very slow progress made, as indicated by the log, not much exceeding two miles an hour, gives rise to the suspicion that, in the early part of the voyage, in order to keep their survey continuous, they probably lay to during the hours of darkness. Off Karaginsky Island, the variation of the compass was determined to be the same as at the mouth of the Kamchatka River. From this date to the 27th, the accessible authorities give no data, and the expedition probably pursued its way uneventfully. July the 27th or August the 7th. This day, a prominent cape was passed at a distance of some three miles. It was named St. Tadeus after the saint on whose holy day it was again seen on the return voyage. Many grampus, porpoises, seals, and sea lions were seen. Notes. This Cape Santa Deus is not the Cape of the same name on modern charts, but the Cape now known as Cape Navarin. This is evident from Bering's chart. Bering's position for the Cape is in error about 15 miles in latitude and 3 degrees in longitude on his chart, while in the list of positions the error is only about 5 miles of latitude and half a degree in longitude. From near Cape Tadeus, Bering stood across Anadir Gulf, out of sight of the low land, missing Anadir Bay, and thereby falling into the error of placing on his chart the mouth of the Anadir River, south of the Cape. The error was subsequently corrected 
by G. F. Muller. Lauridsen observes that, quote, having sailed past the Anadar River, without quite being able to find their bearings, in regions of which they had not a single astronomical determination, end quote, and so on. This is absurd. They had a compass, and there is no reason why they should not find their bearings. And it is certain they were there to make observations, and not to verify those already made. No apology is needed for bearings determination to press more rapidly northward. It was in accordance with common sense, considering the lateness of the season, and the uncertainty of what they had to accomplish before the season closed. August the 1st, or 12th. Festival of the Holy Cross. The expedition so land to the northward, and soon after entered a great bay, which they named Holy Cross Bay. This they explored to the river at its head, which they named Bolshoya, Great River, and on the western point of entrance the latitude was, on August the 2nd, or 13th, observed to be 65 degrees, 35 minutes north, while the longitude, by dead reckoning, was estimated at 182 degrees, 15 minutes east of Greenwich, and the magnetic variation, three-quarters of a point easterly. Notes. Lauridsen says that in Holy Cross Bay, the Gabriel spent two days under sail in search of fresh water and a place to anchor. This is extremely singular, as there is an anchorage immediately at the entrance to the bay, on the starboard hand, and runs of fresh water are abundant. The application of an obvious correction to the list of position given by Campbell makes the position at the western elbow, or speed, at the mouth of Holy Cross Bay, that which is given above. This position is over a degree too far west and over six miles too far south, but Lauridsen, quoting Campbell without observing the blunder, not stating the source of his information, gives the position, 62 degrees 50 minutes north latitude, which is 212 miles too far south, and the English translation improves upon this by making it 60 degrees 50 minutes, or 332 miles south of the truth or 265 miles south of the entrance to the bay, as plotted on Bering's own chart. Bering's table in his report, and Bering's chart, as printed by Danville, differ from each other 15 miles in latitude, and 2 degrees and 25 minutes, or nearly 75 miles in longitude. The chart is the more correct, but it differs more than 30 miles in latitude, and nearly a degree in longitude, from the modern observations of Lutke and Rogers, for the same locality. After leaving Holy Cross Bay, the voyage was continued to the southeast along the high and rocky coast of which Lauridsen, probably paraphrasing Berg, says that, quote, every indentation was very carefully explored, end quote. This is obviously a flight of fancy, since a good part of this coast is low and sandy, while there is no indication of two excellent harbors which it affords on any of the charts of Bering or his successors in that century. August the 6th or 17th, 1728. This day, the festival of the Transfiguration found the Gabriel entering a small bay, which on that account was named Transfiguration Preobrazhenia Bay. Here they anchored. Lieutenant Chaplin was sent ashore for water and found native huts, but no people. Notes. This bay has never been surveyed and on the best modern charts is merely indicated, while on many others it is omitted altogether, or the name transferred to the anchorage north of Cape Bering, or to Plover Bay. 
Bering's position for the speed at the entrance of Transfiguration Bay is two degrees and a quarter too far east and sixteen miles too far north by the table. But his chart gives the position much more closely, with a difference from Roger's chart not exceeding five miles. August the 7th or 18th. They proceeded along the coast in a south-southeasterly direction. Note. The total eclipse of the moon of this date could hardly have been observed by Bering, since the moon must have been close to the horizon, and first contact of the shadow occurred only about five minutes before the moon set. As Bering does not mention it, it is not likely that he noted the eclipse. August the 8th or 19th. At seven in the morning, a skin-boat, Umiak, or Bidara, was observed to be launched from the shore, eight men getting into it and rowing toward the vessel. They approached within hail and were understood, through the aid of the Kariak interpreters, on board the Gabriel, to inquire whence the vessel came and what was the object of the expedition in entering these waters. After much persuasion, one of the natives left the skin-boat and swam, sustaining himself on two inflated seal-skins tied by a pole to the Gabriel, and came on board, and the others, seeing that no harm befell him, came nearer the vessel shortly afterward. The interpreters had some difficulty in understanding all the natives said, but it was gathered from their conversation that these people called themselves Chukchi, or by an analogous name that they were acquainted with the Russians, by report or otherwise, that there were numerous settlements of their people along this shore, that the Anadir River lay far to the west, that to the south and east lay an island which would soon be visible to the people on the Gabriel if they continued on the course they were then steering, that in the vicinity of this island the shore of the mainland changes its direction and extends beyond to the north and then to the westward. The man who had boarded the vessel was given some presents and sent back to the native boat, in the hope that he would persuade his comrades to come on board the Gabriel, but suspecting some evil design, the natives pulled away toward the shore and disappeared. According to Burge, Chaplin's journal expresses regret that more important information could not be obtained owing to the difficulty in interpreting what was said by the Chukchi. At noon, the latitude was estimated to be 64 degrees 30 minutes. In the afternoon, the cape mentioned by the Chukchis was seen. Notes. The account given in Bering's report, and variously rendered by Muller, Brooks, Dunville, and Campbell, differs in several details from that given in Chaplin's journal and described by Berg and Lauridsen. The various English versions of both fail in clearly rendering the important point gained by this interview with the natives, which was that, at a short distance, the main coast changes its direction and turns to the north and west. These Chukchis pointed the way to the strait for the party on the Gabriel, and their account proved to be accurate in every particular. The people of this part of the coast call themselves Chao Chu, which is their tribal name. The similar name of another branch living near the Anadir River has been corrupted into the word Chukchi by the Russians, from which we derive our general name for this people. Lauridsen says, quote, Breden var 64 degrees 41 minutes, end quote, which in the American edition stands, quote, The longitude, thus was it written, was 64 degrees 41 minutes, end quote. But the original and all the variants of Bering's own report made the latitude 64 degrees 30 minutes, which is correct. 
If it had been 64 degrees 41 minutes, they would have been north of their own position for Transfiguration Bay, from which their course had been south-southeast, therefore the 41 minutes is certainly erroneous. On Bering's chart, he refers to the point of the coast where the shore changes its direction under the name Chukotskagonos, which means the promontory of the Chukchi, though this is not the same as the Chukchi Cape of the Anadir Cossacks, who so denominated the eastern extreme of Asia, which they knew from report and by the voyage of Deshnev. There can be no reasonable doubt that Bering named his cape after the people who had described it to him, although the imperfections of the record leave this to be inferred. Bering's map gives the latitude of the south extreme of the cape as about 64 degrees 2 minutes, and it is erroneously represented as extending south of the latitude of the northwest end of St. Lawrence Island. Its real latitude is about 15 miles further north. Cook made it 64 degrees 13 minutes. Chaplin's journal, according to Lauridsen, makes it 64 degrees 18 minutes, which would agree with the latest surveys, very nearly, though the coincidence must be regarded as a happy accident in view of their imperfect tables, instruments, and methods. Bering's report places its eastern extreme in 64 degrees 25 minutes and, wrongly, in the same longitude as the west end of St. Lawrence Island. August the 10th or 21st, St. Lawrence Day. The island referred to by the Chukchi was seen and the vessel stood toward it about two o'clock in the afternoon. Twice an officer with a four-oared boat was sent to reconnoitre the coast more closely, but he saw only what appeared to be huts without inhabitants. The island, of which only the northwest hilly portion was seen, owing to the hazy weather, was named after the patron saint of the day, and the course of the vessel was changed to the northward. August the 11th or 22nd at noon the latitude was estimated at sixty-four degrees twenty minutes and at sunset an attempt was made by the determination of the magnetic variation to get the longitude notes an illustration of the want of care with which lauridsen has weighed his comments it may be pointed out that he claims that on reaching latitude sixty-four degrees twenty minutes the gabriel was in bering strait while two pages later, on her return southward, he declares her to have got out of the strait on reaching latitude 64 degrees 27 minutes. As a matter of fact, at the present day, the whalers and traders of this region consider that Cape Chaplin, more commonly known as Indian Point, forms the southwest point of entrance to the strait, and this point is situated in latitude 64 degrees 25 minutes and its longitude 128 degrees 40 minutes as determined by the writer in 1880 this is perhaps the point referred to by bering as the eastern point of his chukotskoi cape the magnetic method of determining the longitude would give correct results only accidentally as previously explained the result announced by lauridsen for the present occasion is 25 degrees 31 minutes east from lower kamchatka ostrog or 187 degrees 51 minutes east from Greenwich, which would be within a few miles of the latest determinations. But it is obvious, from Bering's map, that he could not have made his position less than 28 degrees 45 minutes east from Lower Kamchatka, and the position above given is perhaps an interpolation from modern sources, which has been misunderstood or mistranslated. As Lauridsen has paraphrased, 
not quoted it is impossible in the absence of burke's original to determine who is responsible for the incongruity an interpolation seems the more likely since bering himself gives the longitude as one hundred eighty nine degrees fifty five minutes east of greenwich footnote a glance at berg shows that this statement of lauridsen is simply a blunder berg only says they obtained the magnetic variation twenty five degrees thirty one minutes easterly by an amplitude observation longitude is not mentioned nor kamchatka End of footnote. august the twelfth or twenty third from noon of the eleventh to noon of this day the gabriel sailed sixty nine miles but the difference of latitude was only twenty one miles the wind was light to fresh and the weather overcast notes if the above statement be taken literally with the assumption that they were at noon of the eleventh in latitude sixty four degrees twenty minutes and east longitude one hundred eighty eight degrees from greenwich it would give their position for noon of the twelfth as sixty four degrees forty nine minutes and longitude one hundred ninety degrees forty five minutes east of greenwich which does not at all accord with the subsequently narrated course, and so on. If we proceed on the hypothesis that it means that the log recorded 69 miles, and that only 29 miles were made good, which might easily happen if the polar current were running strong on the west side of the strait, and that their course were parallel with the Siberian shore in a general way, they would have been at noon of August 12th in latitude 64 degrees 49 minutes and longitude 188 degrees east of Greenwich, or thereabouts, which agrees very fairly with the known circumstances. August the 13th or 24th, a fresh breeze and cloudy weather. The Gabriel sailed the whole day with no land in sight, and the difference in latitude was only seventy-eight miles at noon, reckoned from noon of the twelfth. The wind diminished toward night. Note, on the same hypothesis as to the meaning of difference in latitude, as the words are used by Lauridsen, the Gabriel, at noon of the thirteenth, would have been ten or twelve miles south from East Cape, and in about latitude sixty-five degrees fifty-five minutes. If the words are to be taken literally, as a navigator would use them, the Gabriel would have been about fifteen miles to the northward and eastward of East Cape, which agrees much less with the subsequently detailed circumstances. With a nautical day beginning at noon on the 13th, according to Lauridsen, the weather began to be calm and cloudy, which would check their progress. August the 14th or 25th. This is the festival of St. Demetrius of Africa. A current was experienced during this day, which was estimated to have helped the vessel northward eight miles and three-quarters. This current ran from south-southeast to north-northwest. From noon of the 13th to noon of this day, the vessel sailed twenty-nine miles in addition to the current drift. At noon, the latitude was estimated to be sixty-six degrees, forty-one minutes, and high land was visible astern. At three o'clock in the afternoon, high mountains were observed to the southward, which, says Chaplin, quote, were probably on the continent, end quote. Note. Under any hypothesis, either the run of the vessel was underestimated or the latitude was overestimated. Adding the estimated run to the position attained under our hypothesis for the 12th and the 13th, 
it will put the gabriel at noon august the fourteenth in about north latitude sixty six degrees twenty four minutes and longitude east of greenwich one hundred ninety one degrees thirty minutes chaplin's reckoning as given by lauridsen would have put the gabriel more than fifty miles offshore when the land spoken of would have been out of sight our hypothesis puts her about twenty-eight miles northeast true from east cape when the high land of either shore under favorable circumstances might have been seen if the sky were overcast clouds do not interfere with seeing unless attended by fog or haze during this day the gabriel had sailed between east cape and the islands now known as the diomedes the shore being near by why then should it be noted in the log that quote, high land was seen astern and quote, at noon the high land of siberia they had seen and sailed along for days in full sight of it it seems to us that this excludes the idea that the log refers to the siberian highland and that what was seen was the loom of land not before seen as of the diomedes or even of america it may not have been clear to the commander and yet have been marked enough for the subordinate officer to have put it in his log with a dead reckoning and daily notes footnote Lauridsen gets over the discrepancy by putting the word still before seen but there is nothing in the original sources to confirm this view of the matter End of footnote. on several old charts mention is made of land seen by spanberg which is supposed to have been america after gvozdev had confirmed the existence of the american mainland in that direction and seen had landed upon it this suggestion is not unimportant in connection with the subsequent conduct of bering and will be referred to again in its proper connection the further fact that all early printed versions of bering's list of positions refer to the modern diomedes only as the island of saint demetrius and that this day was the festival of that obscure saint lends further confirmation to the above suggestions august the fifteenth or twenty sixth the gabriel appears to have continued to sail in a northeasterly direction until three o'clock in the afternoon having been aided by the current to the extent of eight and three-quarter miles and sailed sixty-five miles many whales were seen and the depth averaged between twenty-three and thirty-six fathoms since the thirteenth the water had appeared whitish or discolored the wind was moderate and the weather cloudy between noon and three o'clock the vessel made seven miles against a head-wind the position of the gabriel at that time was estimated to be in north latitude sixty-seven degrees eighteen minutes and thirty degrees seventeen minutes east longitude from the town of lower kamchatka note the nautical day august the fifteenth extending from noon of the fourteenth to noon of the fifteenth is altogether omitted from the american translation of lauridsen's book the position for the turning point estimated by chaplin is manifestly by dead reckoning as the sky was cloudy it was not adopted in the list of positions published by campbell in harris's voyages nor on bering's map in the former the longitude he adopts is twenty seven degrees thirty seven minutes east of lower kamchatka fort and this agrees exactly with the point on the coast in duhalt's engraving of bering's map where the mountain ceased to be put down near the shore the point on the north coast of siberia where lauridsen and chaplin as quoted by him say bering did not go and the point which has been generally regarded as bering's farthest 
If we apply the distance and direction from Chaplin's journal to the course of the Gabriel plotted from his preceding data, literally, it will put the turning point of the voyage in north latitude 67 degrees 32 minutes and east longitude 193 degrees 37 minutes or thereabouts, which is about 35 miles off the American coast, southwest from Cape Seppings. But if we do this, the position is far from agreeing with Chaplin's. By applying the hypothetical correction which we have heretofore used, the position would be in latitude 67 degrees 24 minutes and east longitude 193 degrees 15 minutes from Greenwich or 31 degrees east from Lower Kamchatka Fort, agreeing more nearly with Chaplin. On the other hand, the position of Cape Seppings agrees better with Chaplin's figures for the remainder of the day. At this point the commander of the expedition determined to turn homeward. The Gabriel was put on a course south by east by compass, before a brisk seven-knot breeze, making better time than is recorded for any part of our outward voyage. Notes. Lauridsen says that, in terminating the outward voyage, Bering, quote, announced that as he had now accomplished his task, it was his duty, according to his orders, to return, end quote. Footnote. Berg quotes Chaplin's journal, which says, Quote, at three o'clock Captain Bering announced, italics, that it was necessary for him, in spite of his instructions, to turn back, end of italics, and put the vessel about with orders to steer south by east by compass, end quote. The italics are Berg's, who adds that in the journal of Lieutenant Chirikov, the same statement is made in the same words. I transliterate the italicized phrases according to the schedule for Russian letters published in Nature, February the 27th, 1890. Quote, quote. This plain statement, which proves that at the moment Bering recognized that he was not fulfilling his orders, is suppressed by Lauridsen and, of course, by Bering himself when he came to prepare his official report. Lauridsen, however, is not satisfied with suppressing the truth, which would have weighed so heavily against his hero and his argument, but with the truth in his possession, he has inserted in his book a statement which is diametrically opposed to it as above cited. End of footnote. Müller and other authorities, quote, more or less modified in the translation, the reason given in Bering's report. But, as there is no reason to suppose these were uttered to the ship's company officially at the time, a consideration of them may be deferred until the total results of the voyage are discussed. The course set, according to Chaplin's journal, would, if made good, have carried the Gabriel east of the Diomedes and close to Cape Prince of Wales. The northwesterly current referred to by Chaplin and recognized by most navigators who have since visited those seas would have carried the vessel more to the westward as was actually the result and it was probably allowed for august the sixteenth or twenty seventh saint diomedes day the gabriel had kept on her course with a free wind making more than seven knots miles an hour at nine in the morning they found themselves off a high promontory on the west where there were Chukchi habitations. On the east and seaward they saw an island which it was proposed to call after the saint of the day. At noon the vessel had made since the previous noon 
one hundred fifteen miles and had reached latitude sixty six degrees two minutes continuing on their way with a fresh breeze and cloudy weather they sailed along the asiatic coast near enough to observe many natives and at two places they saw dwellings at three p m very high land and mountains were passed probably the highlands near st lawrence bay notes from three p m august the fifteenth to nine a m august the sixteenth is eighteen hours which at seven knots an hour allowing the alleged excess to be the equivalent of the drift caused by the current would amount to one hundred twenty six miles deduct from this the seven miles sailed between noon and three p m on august the fifteenth in the opposite direction and we have remaining one hundred nineteen miles made on the homeward voyage at a time when the gabriel was between the diomedes and east cape or at least in plain sight of both but three hours later at noon according to lauridsen they had made only one hundred fifteen miles in all although the breeze was fresh and fair from chaplin's position for the turning point to latitude sixty six degrees two minutes off east cape is ninety six miles from our hypothetical corrected position for the turning point off cape seppings the distance would be to the same place one hundred twenty six miles or thereabouts it is evident that there is a miscalculation or an error in the record here which without further data it is not possible to correct it is certain that bering with whom the right of naming any new island would have rested did not then name the island above mentioned after st diomede on all copies of the earlier version of his chart it appears if at all under the name of the island of st demetrius from this we may suspect that he identified it with the high land seen on august the fourteenth st demetrius day while others on board suspecting they were not the same proposed the name of diomede for the present island regarding the highland as something distinct if the hardy and self-willed spanberg was the one who reported the land on august the fourteenth and if he saw the highland about cape prince of wales as several old charts allege he would have been the last to admit that the relatively small and adjacent island now seen should be identified with his discovery august the seventeenth or twenty eighth the breeze having been strong and fair an observation at noon indicated that the latitude was sixty four degrees twenty seven minutes and that the gabriel had sailed one hundred sixty four miles since noon of the sixteenth in the afternoon the weather was clear and the wind became light the gabriel must have come out of the strait this afternoon notes a distance of one hundred sixty four miles from the position of the previous noon would have put the gabriel in latitude sixty three degrees thirty eight minutes the distance on the general course sailed by the gabriel from sixty six degrees two minutes to sixty four degrees twenty seven minutes is about one hundred and seven miles it is possible that in copying or printing one hundred and four miles has become transmuted to one hundred and sixty four miles there is an obvious error here of some kind august the eighteenth or twenty ninth lauridsen does not refer to any record for this day but it is probable that the wind continued light and the weather fair and that the gabriel was slowly working her way westward and southward in the vicinity of cape chukotsky august the nineteenth or thirtieth in the afternoon being in the vicinity of the place where they had met the chukchi boat on the outward voyage four baidars 
were seen with their crews pulling for the vessel which accordingly lay by for them to come up with her there were ten natives to each baidar or forty in all they brought reindeer meat fish and fresh water in large bladders for sale for which they were suitably rewarded while the crew of the gabriel obtained from them skins of the red and the polar foxes and four walrus teeth which the natives bartered for needles flint and steel for striking fire and iron this chukchi told them that they went overland to trade at the kolima river carrying their goods with reindeer and that they never went by sea they had long known the russians and one of them had even been to the anadirsk fort to trade from this man they had hopes of gaining valuable information but he could tell them nothing more than they had learned from the first chukchis who had been questioned august the twentieth or thirty-first to august the twenty-ninth or september the ninth for this period the documents accessible to me give no information but the gabriel was doubtless pursuing her homeward way uneventfully along the coast of kamchatka august the thirtieth or september the tenth a heavy storm arose with fog and the gabriel finding herself dangerously close to the shore anchored near the land to ride it out a note in harris indicates that they may have been near karaginsky island august the thirty-first or september the eleventh at one p m the storm had abated but in weighing anchor the cable had been so chafed by the rocky bottom that it parted and they lost the anchor and were obliged to put to sea without recovering it september the first or twelfth seventeen twenty eight at five o'clock in the afternoon they approached and at seven the next morning entered the mouth of the kamchatka river thus ending the voyage note the gabriel was secured in a slough of the river and the party went up the river to the fort of lower kamchatka where bering passed the winter it is certain that the residents of kamchatka and others more or less familiar with the reports of cossack explorations in chukchi land were not altogether satisfied with the summary manner in which exploration had been given up by bering and his apparent assumption that there was no adjacent land to the eastward except small islands more or less such discussion and criticism could hardly have failed to reach his ears and his reflections may have led him to think that after all he had been too hasty trees not indigenous to kamchatka had been seen floating near the shores no heavy breakers ever proceeded from the eastward and it was even alleged that land or the loom of land might be seen to the east from the coast mountains in very clear weather on account of these and other reasons which were urged by residents of the country bering determined to make a new trial footnote the natives even claimed that a man had been stranded on the coast of kamchatka in seventeen fifteen who stated that his own country lay to the eastward and contained forests with high trees and large rivers bering himself states that he made the search of seventeen twenty nine at the instance of the kamchatkan residents and a footnote instead of proceeding directly to okhotsk across kamchatka he fitted out the gabriel for another voyage beside the fact that luzhin one of his cartographers had explored the kuril islands lying next to kamchatka the vessel fortuna during bering's absence had doubled cape lopatka and was anchored in the kamchatka river when bering entered it on his return it was therefore evident that the straits were navigable and the return voyage might be made that way 
Spanberg was ordered to Bolsheretsk on account of illness, and it is possible he took the Fortuna back there, since she had already returned to Bolsheretsk when Bering reached that port on his way to Okhotsk. Lauritsen has ascribed to Bering's own initiative the willingness to make another search for land, as if these ideas were original with him. It is evident that this is unjustified and fanciful. Miller's account shows that the incitement to a second attempt proceeded from the residents of the country, and that Bering complied with their suggestions, and Bering says so himself in his report. On June the 5th or 16th, 1729, the Gabriel left the mouth of Kamchatka River and stood to the eastward directly offshore. She continued on this course about 48 hours, sailing a distance variously estimated at from 90 to 130 miles. The weather was foggy, no land was seen, the wind shifted to dead ahead at east-northeast, and, on the third day, Bering gave up the search and steered for the southern coast of Kamchatka, the extreme of which is marked by the point known as Narrow, Aoskoi Cape, or, more generally, as Shovel Lopatka Cape, from its low, square termination. He determined the latitude of this cape, and, passing through the strait south of it, reached Bolcheretsk, on the west coast of the peninsula on the 2nd of July. Most of this time was probably spent in tracing the form of the southern part of Kamchatka. Halfway between the Kamchatka River and the coast, the variation was observed to be one point easterly, and off Avachka Bay three-quarters of a point easterly. In the American translation of Lauridsen, it is said, page 51, that Bering fixed the difference of latitude, for which one should read longitude, between Bolcheretsk and Lower Kamchatka Ostrog at 6 degrees 29 minutes, but on Bering's maps the difference is only 3 degrees 50 minutes, while in his list of positions no longitude is assigned to Lower Kamchatka Post. In Campbell's list it stands at 8 degrees 39 minutes, which the correction of an evident error of 98 degrees for 95 degrees reduces to 5 degrees 39 minutes. The true difference of longitude, according to the latest charts, is about 5 degrees 25 minutes. Where Lauridsen got his figures, he does not state. Campbell, in Harris, states that Bering was the first navigator to double Cape Lopatka, but the Fortuna had made this voyage in 1728, though her commander is not known. At Bolsheretsk, Bering left a crew for the Fortuna, which had returned thither, turned over some of his surplus stores to the local authorities, and, on the 14th, or 25th of July, sailed from the Bolshoye River for Okhotsk. Here he arrived on July the 23rd, or August the 3rd, and after some days spent in turning over government property to the local officials and procuring his horses and outfit, he left Okhotsk on July the 29th, or August the 9th, on the overland journey to St. Petersburg. The second eclipse of the moon for the year occurred on this day, but during hours of daylight, and hence was invisible in the part of Asia. After an uneventful but successful journey, Bering arrived in St. Petersburg on March the 1st, or 12th, 1730, bringing with him, according to Duhalt, the map and report he had prepared upon his explorations. End of section 14